0: from being broke, to hope, to financial success. If she can do it, so can you. Here we go. I met my guest at a meetup group. It is a fun group. It's my city, and it's women. The reason I want you to know how I met her is in my last single episode, uh, Episode 8, where I was just sharing some thoughts with you about starting over, I mentioned the importance of community and to come out, count who your communities are where you know people. And I love our women's meetup group. We do all kinds of things. And one thing we do is games. And we go to my friend, Carol, my guest. We go to her house and we play some card games and we have some fun times and conversation. Carol is so unique. Hi. Welcome, Carol. And she is a radio host. And that's why I wanted her on this podcast is she is so unusual. And I kind of consider her the networking queen here in Arizona because of the radio show that she has called Networking Arizona that she's had for almost 13 years. And it takes a networker to get get the guests that she has, which is a variety of guests that come on the show. They share what they do. She's an amazing entrepreneur. So I want to share how we met and Carol's history before we start. And welcome, Carol. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. All right. So as we normally do, we start with your how you were raised, share maybe about your money thermostat, what might have impacted you with money to get to where you are today as a successful entrepreneur.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I do want to mention, though, that when you said how we meant, uh, you know, uh, it was funny because I don't normally talk about what I do personally, but I think it's great that you did because, um, you know, I think as an entrepreneur and, and people who are like radio show hosts or are out there in the public and stuff like that there's another side to us. It's not just all business. So yeah, right. I play cards and I do all sorts of other things besides, you know, the radio and business. But uh, so let's talk a little bit about me If and who doesn't like to talk about themselves, right? Um, so <laughs> there are us, people, ta- Carol. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're people. And so you want to know a little bit about me as I grew up or talk, t- say that again to me.
0: Right. So basically, Oftentimes, we're programmed with money and income as children, especially girls. And one purpose I have for this podcast is to empower women around money. Because many of my listeners, our listeners here, like one listening now, are broke or in a financial hardship that they need to change what they're doing for income. And we are impacted by the way we grew up around money. Cause there's like a saying in our culture that I don't like, and it's filthy rich. Well, when you hear filthy rich, you think, oh my oh, it's terrible. Oh, I shouldn't be rich, or money's bad, or there's the most misquoted verse in the Bible. Money's the root of all evil. And it's not true. It's money is a root of all kinds of evil, because we know money's not the root of of the horrific rape of a woman. That's not the root. And there's misconceptions. And, but sometimes you're raised with entrepreneurial parents and that taught you about money and helped you around money. So that's kind of the history. If there's something you think will uh, to share about that for your life. Sure,
1: sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think a lot of us um, have, have uh, lived with parents, especially as baby boomers, um, that my parents, my father, whose name is Neil Diamond by the way. Oh, he's not the real Neil Diamond, but he's the real Neil Diamond to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of us have not, it wasn't, that didn't happen to me. And that's not why I became a, 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 an entrepreneur, but some of us um, don't like what we're doing, right? We're unhappy in what we're doing in life. And we say, darn it, that's enough. And I'm going to start my own something, you know, right. And that is what happened to my dad when he was younger. Um, My grandparents um, lineage is in the garment industry, you know, um, years and years and 30s. And, you know, and all of that. That's what my, it goes back that far of the garment industry. And um, my father was working for somebody at the time. And um, he just didn't like Himself, you know, Mm. who who he was working with, and that he didn't like what was going on, and so he quit and he started his own company and did very well, very well for a while. And then in the garment industry, just like almost any other industry, there's ups and downs, big time ups Mm -hmm. and downs. And what I remember, because now, after, um, let's see, that might have been in the 70s that this happened, where you know, he lost everything because. The business, that my father used to um, manufacture women's beautiful dresses. Mm. And in those days, $150 for a dress that was retail, not retail, wholesale of that price. That means it was double in a store. Um, that was like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of
0: money. Oh, yes.
1: And in the, about 19, I would say 68, 70, somewhere in there, if you remember, women used to wear dresses all the time and we that's did. all they wore right. to then the liberation of women only wearing pants or ma- mainly right wearing pants and he if he his business took a dive ah. because women were not wearing pa- you know dresses as much
0: somehow and, he didn't adjust then maybe seeing what was happening and then starting may pants although he might have felt right. convicted not to because it was something we considered shame for a woman to wear, like, man's clothing at the time?
1: it I, I I don't, I just remember that it was liberating for a woman to wear a pair of pants. Oh, yes. <laughs> and what I saw my father do was out of something um, that was, could, you know, obviously bring down the entire family. He found a, a designer who happened to have been a Cody Award designer, and they cut a dress, they made a, a pattern on my, and what this is my memory. You were talking about that. And they cut a pattern out. They made a pattern on my kit, our kitchen table, and they made a dress. They sewed it, and they made this dress. And they took it to Saks Fifth Avenue, which, and you know, they my parents, my father, uh, sold only to stores that were higher end stores, boutique stores. And they took it there, and they were back in businesses with this one dress. Wow. And it turned around so that even so that uh, the Cody Award designer, his name was Luis Estevez, and he uh, talked my father into doing a huge fashion show. And they used to do fashion shows, but not like this. They took over the Aquarius Theater in L.A. Wow. And they did, if you remember the show, Hair. Yes. They did a fashion show all around the music of hair. That's brilliant. And at the end of the show, all of the women the the models dropped their clothes off and were naked. And it was a huge success. (laughs) That my father went from being, you know, (laughs) on making a table, you know, dress on a table in the kitchen to a huge success with Vogue and Bazaar and all sorts of stuff that I don't know if they have that anymore. But so I remember that you asked me about money. um, Being that we were in the garment industry, if that went up down up and down all the time. And um, as I grew up, I was probably a salesperson, which is really what I am more than anything other than, the, you know, more than a sh- as a radio show host. I um, always knew I I played that when I was young, playing, selling something. Isn't that weird? But that's what I no, did. And I remember that. And as I grew up, of course, you know, when I was younger, uh, it was di- it's different today. But when I was younger, if you wanted to have clothes and I used to shop at a store called Judy's all the time, it was a chain in the malls. And my mom would say to me, you know what, if you want this, that things, go, go get a job. And so I got a job in the retail area, <laughs> you know, business of clothes because I wanted to wear the clothes. And, um, that's how I started when I was younger in retail of clothing. That's, that was what I did. I sold clothes. And as I got older and I progressed in that world, um, probably for the next, what, five, seven years or whatever it was, um, one day I went to a store that I was working for, different store, and I went to the store and they were closed. It was opening the store and they were closed. There, there was locks on the door, you oh. know? And it was like, oh my God. And I, I couldn't believe that anyone would do that to someone who was working for them, right?
0: Oh, and right. And I came
1: home and I was a wreck. And Oh, oh and my dad says to me, you got to get onto the wholesale side of this. And he taught me how to do what I do. And he had me come into his business and learn from a New York ballsy saleswoman how to do what I do. Sales is sales, whether you're selling, you know, a tchotchke or whether you're selling airtime. And so I learned that from somebody and I perfected it. And that's how I got to where I'm at. And in terms of money, I saw the difference between, you know, having it, not having it, and right. when you don't have it, what you might need to do to get it.
0: Right. Wow, you know, All that kind of stuff. That's great. And here your dad stepped in, right, when you were at a hard place and gave you some direction. And it, it that is wonderful. That's a wonderful history for you. And seeing your dad, who was successful, then go broke, and then reinvent himself or figure out the market again, the market shifted. And that's what it does. The market is continually evolving and shifting, especially now with technology and where people can shop online. I heard recently, and I I think it was when I was at Neiman Marcus or a high-end store like that, one of the salespeople said that now retailers have, instead of having four seasons of clothing, now they have to have more like 12 seasons of clothing because of people being online and always wanting something new and being in real estate it used to be that trends with cabinets or or home features designs would change every several years like avocado and and mustard yellow were really popular when i was growing up probably for 10 years 15 now it's changing every few years which is kind of in a way hard to hard to keep up. So that is a great upbringing and oftentimes when we're raised by entrepreneurial parents we become entrepreneurial. But you agreed too as a child sometimes our young person are like oh well what do my parents know. <laughs> so I think I think you were really smart to go with what your dad said about the wholesale. So that's that's a wonderful history for you definitely that set you up. So tell us after that, the next steps of your life.
1: The next step uh, to my life, I had a great colorful life. I had a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, I was a kid, right? You know, when you're 20, 21, you're having a great time. It's 1978 mm. <laughs> in Los Angeles. I lived in LA. I lived in West Hollywood. Okay. for most of my life I lived in Hollywood I worked at a famous store before I this is before I even worked for my father um, I worked for a huge famous store called Fred Siegel's in LA for like four years so I was a Fred Siegel girl <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, I have always been in sales I that was just always something I did I traveled Uh, around the country, became the national sales manager for a dress manufacturing company. And I taught the sales uh, force when you have a, when you're a wholesale, it's different than retail. You have retail, you have people that work to sell the, you know, the clothing in the store, but in wholesale, you have people in different regions that sell to the stores in those regions and they um, call on stores to show them their line to sell to the public. And um, I used to teach the salesmen, and most of them were men, uh, how to sell a line and how to present it. And it's kind of funny because I was maybe in my 20s. Well, I know not maybe, I was in my 20s, and they were in their 40s, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it was kind of hard, but it was neat because I did what I did. I knew how to do what I did, and I did it well. And from there, uh, so I did that for a long time. And then, um, I met my, my husband and at the time, my husband, uh, we were actually met at a, uh, woman's clothing market that was going on. And, uh, he was, we were in Atlanta as all well, places and, uh, well, we met and then we moved married, we married, we got married and we lived to in Northridge, California. I mean, I was living in West Hollywood when I met him, but he had a child that I became an overnight mother to, And, and he had, he had, you know, custody of her. So I became her step real stepmom, not like part-time.
0: Wow, uh, she was sure. with us all the time. Oh, okay,
1: And because I was living in a fantastic, beautiful, phenomenal, um, Apartment in West Hollywood, uh, but he had a child, and it was really not appropriate for that, right? So I moved into a house that he owned—a home, and I a nice big five-bedroom home. So it was it was obvious that that was what I was going to do. We lived there for about five years, and um, when in 1994 we there was the earthquake—the Northridge earthquake—we oh, yes. lost our house. Wow! In that earthquake, and um, we moved to Arizona to get out of way, you know, <laughs> and sure. we moved to Arizona for lots of different reasons, but that was the, that was the reason why we moved, but his, he had a family here, he had people here that he knew, and so we moved here, and in the beginning, when I lived here, I didn't have to work, because I was, I was raising my, my children at the time, I had two girls, and, and they were very young, and we lived here for, uh, well, we've lived here now since 1994 and how I became where I am today to get to that point, to speed up to that. Uh, I got a divorce, uh, many, 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 many years ago. Um, and at the time when I was getting this divorce, uh, I had wanted to do something right because I was raising my kids, but I was always wanting to work and probably about uh, four years before the divorce, I started working for the awatuki Chamber of Commerce. Oh okay. <laughs> and I worked there yeah. just for fun, just mm-hmm. for pocket money because they didn't have what I do here. They don't have the they don't have the fashion industry here and they still don't have the real not not really have the fashion industry here. Right. And so I was looking to work and I found a little ad in the um, awatuki Foothills News. And it was like, you know, sign on members to the Awatuki chamber. And I'm like, I can do that. And I came in and I said, don't look at my background. It's all clothing. Just, you know, hire me and you'll love me. And they did. That's great. You know, and they did. And so I worked there for four years and I uh, worked there and I took them from 200 to 400 members. It was oh, pretty wow. amazing, but it was a great time. It was mm-hmm. a wonderful time. It was before the crash and it was, uh, you know, we're in a, lived in a bedroom community and it was booming at the time. And so and I didn't just sell people sign on people to become a member of the Awatukee chamber just in Awatukee. Because I'd go to Phoenix and say, Hey, you sell granite in Phoenix, but don't you want come you know, people from you know Ahwatukee to know who you are? Do you just sell here or do you sell everywhere? And so I would sell and we just sign on everybody. It was really great. But th- little did I know it was a stepping stone mm-hmm. to where I got, which was when I got a divorce, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? Sure, Right. Because I didn't, wasn't making a lot of money, Mm -hmm. just pocket change. Really not enough to, of course, raise your own kids and, you know, survive like that. So I started a networking group. I decided to start a networking group and I grew the group to a hundred members. It was in-home networking. And what was really cool about it is uh, we had, we did everything a chamber would do. I left the chamber and we did everything a chamber would do events and all sorts of fun things. Um, But we did them in my house and we didn't have the chamber baloney that, you know, the stuff that goes along with that. (laughs) So
0: it was. I'm laughing because I was on the Chandler chamber board of directors. I, I do understand what you're talking about. Was your networking group, Men and women, women only?
1: No, it was everybody. And wow. it was awesome because I happened to like to entertain.
0: Nice. So
1: twice a week, I would have people come to the house for lunch. And I had my—I had gotten a divorce. So my ex-husband took the furniture out of the living room. So there was nothing there. So I would rent table, you know, three big, huge tables. And I used to have, it was beautiful. I would have like a luncheon. It was mm-hmm. so And I used to make the food and uh, we'd have about 30 people. We had a hundred members, but not a hundred people would come at one time. Okay. Um, But we would have people that were speakers that came in and would talk and it was men and women and it was everybody. It was just networking. And we'd have about 30 people, 30, sometimes, sometimes less, you know, just depended on what was going on, but it was a great time before anything started to happen with the crash and it was a great time to do that right. and we would do trade shows in the house and we wow. did I mean seriously it was phenomenal I would turn my house to uh, the whole entire house we had tables all over the place <laughs> little tar- and I would charge them very little money to do it so it was not everything I do is what I call cheap and cheerful cheap and cheerful. And so, <laughs> like, that's what I great. Said.
0: And now, so, how did you find these people? Because that, that's in the day and age we didn't really use the Internet to connect. I don't think Meetup even existed then. No,
1: nothing was like that. It was just talking to everybody. And 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 really, a good salesperson is a good, you know, whether you're going to sign on people to your networking group or whatever you're doing, is the people who know people. Right. Right. And I knew a lot of people. And I and I knew my I mean for my birthday I gave I know T- Carol t-shirts out for my yeah. 50th birthday. <laughs> and at the time I knew a lot of people, you know, because I signed on a lot of people to the to the um chamber of commerce. And so I knew it was something that was I could easily call many, many people and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And everybody said yes. So um I did that for probably a couple of years. And then we had the crash. And When we had the crash, um, obviously things changed quite a bit. People didn't, they were focused on them, focused on, you know, I can't even think about networking at the time. You know, they were like just focusing on what am I going to do? I have to survive, right? And, That's um, true. It's
0: kind of almost like... I kept like- on
1: doing what I did. I kept on doing it. And I had, was out growing my group one day and I said to... Um, this guy that was standing next to me, I go, well, you look familiar. And he goes, well, I'm Francis Bataglia and I'm president of KFNX. I said, well, my dad's Neil Diamond. So there, <laughs> he said, wow, you know, <laughs> but he, my dad's not the real Neil Diamond, but he was following me around like he was. <laughs> anyway, he invited me down to the station and I had no idea that anyone could come on a radio, you know, do their own radio. Sure. So no idea. And he said, yeah, no, people like to talk. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I said, can I have people talk about what they do on my show? He goes, "Hmm." I said, can I charge him for that? He goes, "Hmm." and I said, I'm in. And nice. I figured at the time I would be a radio show host for 13 weeks, okay. but it blew out because I knew so many people. And originally it was a perk, you know, join the group for an extra hundred bucks. You get to come on the radio. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it just blew out for months I was sold out and so I ended up just saying why am I just you know offering it to them when at the time uh 13 years ago practically uh networking and all of that became not obsolete but just something that people put on their back burner just because they were so focused on trying to survive right right? and so it became I wouldn't say a waste of time, but it was more like, you know, here I'm doing this. If I don't have people, if you're not going to show, I just have to focus on me because I too took on a huge endeavor and needed to focus on that. And so that's how that happened. And I sort of kind of evolved into just doing the radio.
0: And going back with our listener listing step by step everything you did, you had some great thinking. First of all, with the chamber where you thought I can do that because that's what my motto is on this on this podcast if she can do it so can I I can do it you're thinking I can do that something you've never done before is marvelous you have a have a good mind for believing in yourself and it was a whole different industry like you shared there was different stepping stones that you did starting that networking group that was a fabulous idea because years later you were able to dig from that well that you had right now with the covid-19 people are doing kind of what you say said they're trying to just take care of themselves yet networking is how we take care of ourselves we have to have clients. We have to have connections. It's something that, in my opinion, you need to increase during a time when people are wanting with, to withdraw. This is not the time to withdraw because we need each other. We need people. As you're sharing and you're talking about sales, I have noticed, really, we're all <laughs> selling and ourselves, our talents, gifts, time, Unfortunately, our culture has put some negativity on sales, you know, car salesmen and kind of that thing. We need to reframe selling because you're either selling your time, gifts, talents, energy to someone else to make themselves money, or you can sell your time, gifts, talents, and energy to make money for yourself, income for yourself. And I just wanted to share that with our, with our listener. And then how you, you said you had no idea how to do radio.
1: <laughs> no, but funny, I just want to interject something that you said about sales. The sales, people, enter, people relate it to selling something money for money. Mm-hmm. But people don't realize that you're always selling I mean, mothers are selling their kids to eat vegetables. Right, right. You know, you don't understand. People don't understand that they're saying <laughs> We're always selling. They just don't get it. They don't see that.
0: But so That's go true. ahead. That's true. And we need people to sell things. We we all we're all consumers. Someone is selling us something, but it it's a good thing. It's something that we need. We just need to be careful that we don't get sold through something psychological. And stay on what, what we do need and know what we want, because I, I think sometimes, depending on your personality, I've, I've done impulse buys not very often, and I've loved them, and so thankful I did that. <laughs> and once in a while I'd be like, not, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have bought that for whatever reason." But we have to have a new set of a new mindset when it comes to to selling, because you're right. Mothers are selling, brushing their teeth to their kids. Or it's, it's a positive thing when your motives are right and when what you're doing is honest and ethical. I was listening to someone today who said that everything we do in life pretty much is it's a risk. It takes a risk. And he says, one way to make sure that your risks work is to be honest, is not to do it in a dishonest, distrustful way. And that's one way to make your risk that you're doing because it's going to be risky starting over. There's going to be steps we take that maybe we need to shift and, and do something else. Your story is wonderful because of the networking that you did years and years ago that set you up for your future. It's so important. And I can tell you, enjoy people and love people and have confidence in yourself which is also really important. And tell us, I'm, I'm curious about what are some of the shows you've done? Tell us about your top two favorite shows, if you have any.
1: <laughs> I have a lot. I mean, you've done a lot of different, you know, um, favorite shows. Um, you know, my longest running guest on my show is 10 Years, I have had people, he's an enrolled agent helps people with their tax issues. Okay. My second longest running guest is a hypnotherapist, nine years. Consistently. Um, five years, solar sandy. I mean, so many. People okay, so that you have, have repeat.
0: For, you have some guests come lot, back on lot, the show. Okay, lot, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. And so,
1: you know, it's hard for me to pinpoint that I can say. Basically, because I've become friends, you know, we're, we're, you know, somebody for nine, 10 years, and you come on, you know, every t- twice a month, three times a month, or whatever they do um, for that long, you know, every single one of them are f- memorable because they're, they're fun. They're different than for somebody that you just do one or two times, um, especially with the way I do my show. And though, I would say the most fun one. I have a one one client that I could say, where um, every time he's come on, and he's been on my show for at least five or six years, and you know that there's always one person that comes on where something happens. You know, you're doing a live show. I do a live show, and when you do a live show, anything can happen, right? And <laughs> it can be risky. Was, <laughs> Right. So he was, um, he's the one that whenever something would come on, something would happen, something, whatever. And we always oh. laughed; We always had a, <laughs> have a good time because, but one time I'll tell you the funny stories that, uh, he was in the room, we were doing this, uh, segment and it was just him and I at the time He might have been on coming on more in the later part of the show I don't really remember but there was a gnat in the room you know a little flying around and then (laughs) a little gnat and we were trying to do this show with a straight face which we don't everything it's you'd have to listen to the show to understand how I do my show and all of that but honestly it was just so funny that this gnat was flying around right it kept on flying around near him, near me and whatever we'd start <laughs> trying to crack up, but we were trying not to crack up. And eventually the mat, Nat flew into his mouth. Oh, no. <laughs> and when it did, I lost it completely. <laughs> and, you know, literally lost it. And he's saying, you guys we're trying, we tried here. We've been trying to hold this in, you know, for the longest time and we just couldn't anymore. It just flew in my mouth. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so, in any case, What I wanted to say about that, which is makes it it's the funniest one. Mm -hmm. But what's funny about it is that we replay that more than anything because people love real. Yes. And it was real. And 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 I think when I do my show, it is real no matter what. But it was just so real. And people love when things like, you know, things happen and stuff like that. And so we air that more than ever. So it's a funny one.
0: That's great. Well, we do love to laugh. It's really important to us. And I'm glad you did real because people do want real, which is this podcast. I don't edit at all. I just, it's so in a way, it is live. Live is better, it's more natural. And I, I want our listener to feel like they're right in our conversation because they are. And I know other people that edit their podcasts. And then it's more like a, performance or a show and that's that's not at all what I'm about. I think it's fabulous that here you were a young mother and sadly you ended up in divorce. Yet going from no career to successful radio host and you have a very inspiring story for our listener and I appreciate your sharing all the details of all the steps. Is there something else that you want to share before we finish this episode about me or about anything you want to share to that well, we might you know, have missed
1: when you're I think what I'm hearing how you do your show and how you what you're talking about is you're talking about people being confident, women mostly I think I'm, I'm not sure if that's correct or not but um, meet people uh, making lemonade out of lemons yes and entrepreneurs and I would say that having the best thing that you can do in life I think is to not let like we're living in this world right now and and I know it's kind of a little tiny bit better than it was two three weeks ago but you know we we have a lot of scare time right now a lot of right. um, hesitancy of what we should do what we shouldn't do um I, I would say that what i would tell the listeners is to not let anything negative get into your head focus on what you are your goal is what you're doing whatever that is and focus 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 on that and you will get through this. We will all get through this. And this is not the first time that something's going to happen to us. Uh, It's going to happen again, whether it's this or something else that happens personally to you. Right. Uh, But just don't let anything get to you and don't throw in the towel just because you have a down, down day or a down time or a down month because you have to believe in what you do and focus on it and your dreams will come true.
0: That is very well said, Carol. Thank you for sharing that. It is true. Don't let anything get into your head. Tony Robbins said the other day that when it comes to business, it's 80% psychology and 20% skill. I really believe that's true. And that is a lot of your own story. Thank you for being on the show and giving us this honor and sharing with everyone. Well, thank you for having me
1: on. It's kind of nice being on somebody else's
0: yeah, show. Right. I thought this is probably <laughs> different for you being on a show yourself, and, and you did great. I learned a lot and took a lot of notes, and hopefully our listener did. So to our listener, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Women Starting Over. Bye for now. Well, my friend, thank you for letting me be with you today. Please leave a review so that women that need help can find this podcast. I am Nora Ellen, your host. See you next time on Women Starting Over.